Hey, the song the band is saying, I really want you to hang on to the, those words, especially that phrase, I'm praying to a God I don't believe in. Because another word for believe would be faith or trust. And I, I think that I'm praying to a God that I don't have faith in, a God that I don't trust, would be a pretty accurate description of, of my, not just my prayers, but the prayers of people from the beginning of time, how we approach God. Because let's be honest, all right, maybe I don't think I'm the only one, but most of the time, if or when I pray to God, it's not because I'm trying to hear from him or seek direction from him. And it's not like I'm trying to figure out what his will is for my life and how do I get on his page. Every once in a while, I'll pray a prayer like that. But most of the time when I pray, I'm trying to convince or tell God he ought to get on my page. Right, get on my, my plan, right? Get behind my wants and my emotions and make stuff that I want to happen happen the way I want it to happen. And if God refuses to do that, then I tell him and I tell myself that I don't believe in him because he doesn't line up with what I want him to be or what I want to be true, right? That's how we pray. There's probably no other area of our life that we do that more in than in the area of love, sex, and marriage, right? It goes like this, God, here's how I see it. Here's how I feel. This is what I want to be true because this is what I think will work best for me based on how I feel about things. And that's not necessarily a bad thing if what we see and what we feel and what we want for our lives lines up with what God's already said is true. It's not hard to follow God when we're on the same page, right? But the problem comes when there's a disconnect from what I see and what I feel and what I want and it is different than what God says is actually true and best. And then most of the time, what we have done, or at least I have done, since the beginning of time, people have done this, is look at God and go, thanks God, but no thanks. I don't believe that what you actually say is best really will work in my life. And we won't say it out loud because you'd sound like a horrible person, but what we mean is, I don't trust you, God. I don't, I don't trust you, God, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna let go of you or I'll invent my own new version of my God loves me so I can do what I want and then I'll go and I'll do whatever I wanna do even if it's different than what God said is actually true and best. And that's one of the things we're trying to figure out in this Rewired series. We're trying to decide if we can trust that God has a better way, even when, all right? I'd say especially when we don't understand how his way actually could be better, can we trust God when he says stuff like this? We looked at last week. He said this, he said, your physical and sexual body was wired up, intentionally created this way to reflect something about God. And God is wired into your physical and sexual body for a very specific purpose. Can you hang with God when he says things like that? Because in our hearts, let's be honest, in our hearts we know that we're more just physical, all right? We're more than just flesh and blood. There's something else in us, all right? Can we hang with God when he says, yeah, you, there is something more how about, how about this? When God says this, God reflects his spiritual masculine image in every man ever created, right? And God reflects his spiritual feminine image in every woman, whether you believe in God or not. When he created us, he pushed his image into us. And we looked at this last week. When God joined these, joins these two images together, as in what God has joined together, let man not separate, God calls that union a union that is glued together, joined together, held together by the spirit of, of God. He looks at that and goes, now that is very good. In other words, marriage is wired up, intentionally wired up to be a very good imaging of what God is like. God is like, right, right? Meaning this is that two, two becoming one, joined by the Spirit in kind of a Trinity type thing we talked about last week. And if anyone tries to separate what God says is true, or if anybody tries to leave part of it out or substitute something else in for masculine, feminine, and spirit image coming together, a God imaging marriage or relationship will fall apart fast because what you end up with is something very different, much less than what God said, I have an idea and it's very good. We come up with something else. And the phrase that we, that we kept coming back to last week from Paul who wrote a big chunk of the Bible and from, from Jesus over and over, we heard this, do you not know? Do you not know? Or if you didn't know, or if you forgot, let me just tell you, this is the way it is. 
This is the way it is according to God. Body, sex, marriage, this is what is true. And this is the only thing that will actually work by design in reality. We're not talking about the movies. It works in the movies. It just doesn't work in our life. It doesn't work at, at our house, in, in our marriage. And, and if our lives are different than what God says is actually true, then we need to ask God to rewire anything, any part of our life that is disconnected from his truth and connect us back to what God says is actually true and best. And I'll be honest, we had a lot of people here last week, all right? You, you saw the parking lot. We had a lot of people, more than we've ever had on a non-holiday weekend, a lot of people come in here and up at West hearing what God says is truth. And almost all, almost all the feedback I heard was very, very positive. And we worked through some hard stuff. We're just getting started, right? We, we brought up a lot of hard, maybe painful, gut-wrenching stuff. We, we looked at some questions about our lives, stuff in our life, past and present. And we sat in here and some of us decided to come back this week because we're crossing our fingers and we're hoping, hey, this better be worth it. Because we're going through some really, really, really hard stuff. And I'm, I'm, I believe, I'm hoping it's going to lead to something better. Right, so, so most, of, most of the feedback I've gotten has been pretty positive, but I will tell you the negative feedback that I did pick up on from last week, and it went like this. I don't want that to be true. I don't want that to be true. I, maybe in the Bible, and you say Jesus said it, but I don't want that to be true. I don't want God to have that narrow of a definition of love or sex or marriage. I want God, or at least the God I want to be God, the, the God I want to believe in, to be a God of love, which he is. Which, which he is, but to some people when you say God loves me unconditionally, that means this, if God loves me, he should approve of anything that I wanna do because it feels right to me and I think it'll make me happy. So God ought to rubber stamp my life if he loves me. And then followed by that, it goes like this, and if that's not what God is willing to say and do for me, then I'm out. I don't believe in a God like that and I don't trust him and I won't follow him or obey him. And that is the oldest and the most common response to God. It's literally the oldest story in the book, the book being the Bible, and that's what we're gonna look at today. Here's a question we're going to look at, and we're going to land here. Can I trust God with the most important parts of my life, even when I don't understand why or how what he's saying is true actually could be true and best for me? So just like last week, we're going to go back, like way back, and we're going to see how this whole thing, this wiring thing all got started, why and what went wrong way back in the beginning. All right, so there's free Bibles in the back here and up at West, all right? So go get a Bible. You're going to be able to find this Bible verse. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1, all right? It's on page 1. So it's the cover, like four maps, and Genesis, all right? So you can find this pretty easy, all right? And even if you don't even own a Bible, never read a Bible, I bet you have heard of this verse that we're going to start with today. It goes, it goes like this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We've all heard that, okay? Now just time out, all right? Don't get hung up on that. Don't, don't because in, in the beginning, well, I've heard all that. Please don't get hung up on the, was it six literal days, Jim, or six gazillion years? I, how, let's ask God when we see him, okay? Just file that one away. I'm gonna ask him what it was, all right? All right, I'll ask him when we see him. And if you don't make it, I'll ask for you. All right, so that, that's what we'll do. But <laughs> uh, you'll probably make it. But anyway, so, but let's just go with this, at least on a theoretical basis, all right? If there really is a God, and he really is a God worth worshiping, he could do it any way he wanted and not break a sweat, whether we understand it or not. So we'll ask him someday, okay? Now, skip ahead to the us part of this, okay? Look down at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We looked at this last week, but let's review it real quick. Then God said, let us make man, and that's not men, that's mankind, let us make mankind people in our image. And that's a masculine noun. Image is a masculine noun. After our likeness, and that's a feminine noun, right? So for everybody that really cares about language and, and, and you know, the language, both of us, we, we really like that, okay? So that's what I mean. Let us make people in our, in our masculine image and in our feminine likeness. That's really what it means. 
And look at this. And let them, that's important, have dominion, we'll come back to that, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Earlier I said creepy things. That certainly included, all right? So on, on everything. But right, right here we have a, another huge clue about what it means to be created in the image of God. And all of us are created in the image of God. We looked at this last week. There's that masculine, feminine nature of God that is wired into our unique genders and our sexual wiring. We looked at that last week, right? But right there in that, the next sentence, we see another characteristic of the image or the likeness of God that is reflected in them. Plural, as in both of them reflect God in this part of, of their life. And it's that word, let them have dominion. Dominion. Let them have dominion over everything that God has entrusted to you. And the version of the Bible I grew up with says, and let them rule over, right? Which isn't a bad translation, but as I've been studying this over the last several months and really just leaning into this, there's another word in the Hebrew, that, that, that Hebrew word could be translated, that both dominion over and rule over, they both mean the same thing. But I think that this word out of the Hebrew actually paints a better picture of what God is intending when he shares this part of himself with us. And it's the word responsible, it's that those words could be translated responsible, as in, let me paraphrase this, all right, putting that word in. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them, both of them, take responsibility over everything that I have entrusted to them. Does that make sense? Right there we see a God image, like charge or command that, that, that comes our way, is given to and reflected to every man or woman that's unique from all other creations that God created. And it's that word dominion or rule or responsibility no other creation on the planet comes with that to let them take responsibility and here's why because with responsibility comes another word it's called accountability accountability as in what did you do with what I entrusted to you what did I what did you do with right right and if you really want to push this all right kind of put it all together I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a phrase that over the last six months has changed my life it literally, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, it's changed my life, changed the way that I, when I look in the mirror, I see myself as I walk through life, as I see and, and interact with everything and everyone in front of me. It's, it's, it's put words to something I felt in my soul, but I couldn't, couldn't say it. But once I found this and I got my head and my heart around it, this truth has given me confidence every day to get up out of my house and go out and take hold of everything that God has entrusted to me. And it goes like this, sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. And that changed my life. When I realized that, Sovereign God has entrusted me and you with part of his kingdom. What's that mean? God's God. He's sovereign. That means he can do anything he wants, any way he chooses. And this is how he chooses. Sovereign God has entrusted you with just part of himself, his image pressed into you, but also part of his kingdom. Make, make this clear, right? It's still his kingdom. It's not yours. It's his. But he has chosen to hand part of it to you and say, take care of that. Take care of her, take care of him, take care of them, whatever. Have dominion over, rule over. Take care of it for me in the way that I would take care of it. Reflect me as you take responsibility for what I have entrusted to your care. Don't miss this. It's still his. It is not yours. He just handed part of it to you, entrusted it to you, and asked, now what are you going to do with it? And eventually, what did you do with it? So that, that's so important, all right? Let's just say that out loud together, all right? Here and up at West and out in the lobby and everything else, all right? Because if we understand what God intended by doing this, it will change you. It will change how you see everything once you go, that's actually true. Let's just say it out loud together. Here we go. One, two, three. Sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. Some of you are staring at me. You're like, I'm not really into this. Well, get into it. All right, here we go, all right? One, two, three. Sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. And that's that's true. So I've never really thought about it like that. Well, it's time to think about better things, right? Well, what's that look like? 
Sovereign God, what, what has he trusted me with? Well, for me, I'll just talk from my own personal experience. Sovereign God has entrusted me with my body and with my mind and says, take your care of that. Take your care, provide for it and protect it from anything that could hurt it. And God has given me Robin. He's, he's given me my wife and he's given me my family and those beautiful kids up there on that screen and two more coming soon, all right? So sovereign God has entrusted me, at least for this season of my life and this church's life, of leading this church. He's entrusted me with protecting what is taught here. So my, my, my body, my mind, my wife, my family, this church, they, they don't belong to me. They all belong to God. But he chose and he entrusted, entrusted me to take responsibility that they stay in line with what God says is right and true. And if I don't responsibly rule well, oversee well, right? God, this is what he ought to do. God should take it all away from me. If he loves me, if he loves Robin, if he loves my kids, my grandkids, and he loves this church, right? That's what he ought to do if I'm not gonna handle it the right way. So if that is true... Today, we are gonna try to understand and apply this truth in the area of a man and a woman joined together in a spiritual union called a marriage. That's what we're gonna look at today. What do you mean? Sovereign God has entrusted you, or maybe someday he will. He he will entrust you with a part of his kingdom. And in this case, marriage, a wife, a husband. So if that's true, if a man and a woman have any hope of joining together in a God-honoring, God-image-reflecting marriage, what are the truths that must be known and acknowledged, and we've got to hold on to this no matter what, if this marriage is gonna last, let alone flourish? How do we responsibly approach marriage? Or let me say this like 10 different ways so that we know where we're going, all right? If this man and this woman decide, and you don't have to, you don't even have to do this if you don't want. If this man and this woman decide to take on the role of husband and wife to the other one, what are the key must-haves that must be in place? What are the, if he doesn't understand and do this, and if she doesn't understand and do that, this marriage won't last past lunch, all right? It's just a matter of time. What are the most important, this and that's? They're not the only ones. I'm not saying this is, this is all you need, but the most important elements that must be in place or this is just never gonna work out. And we're just gonna look at two. Again, there's, a, there's a lots of them, but these, they're just, we're just gonna look at two. One for the husband and one for the wife, and that's enough for today, trust me, all right? And then we'll look at you know, what it looks like and what happens if either one of us, husband or wife, doesn't do this, doesn't understand, kind of abdicates the role. Now, here's the other thing. I just need to tell you this up front. By your attending this week, it, I just take that as your promise that you'll be here next week, okay? Because it's a two-part message. I'm gonna get halfway through it and then I'm gonna pick it up next week. And then if you don't count, that's between you and God, all right? But I wouldn't wanna be you. That's all I'm saying, all right? So, <laughs> so half this week and half, ha- half next week, okay? So we're gonna leave Genesis. We're gonna l- r- jump almost to the end of the Bible to this, this letter that, pe- that, that Paul wrote to these people that live in a little town called Ephesus. And read this whole chapter later you know, if, if, when you get home because Paul is talking about the roles and responsibilities. He's looking at a husband or wife that are trying. They're trying to reflect God, trying to reflect Christ in their home, in their marriage, in their relationship. And we're gonna look at more of this next week, but, but you read the whole chapter and finally at the last verse, since 32 verses saying it's kind of like this, it's kind of like this. And then at the very last verse of that chapter, here's what Paul says. He sums it all up and says this. However, that's all true, but however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now take a breath, all right? See, here are the two primary commands from God for the husband and the wife, if your marriage now or in the future has any chance. Husband, you must love her. You must love your wife, all right? And wife, you must respect your husband. And here come the conversations in your head. I can overhear them from here, all right? Because here's what's going on in your head. It's that chicken egg thing, all right? Well, I'd love her if she'd respect me. Well, maybe I'd respect him if he wasn't a jerk and was more loving, all right? And on and on and on. Well, if she would, well, if he would, okay? So time out, okay? Take, take a breath, all right? We better define our terms. Better. 
So we know what we are signing up for, or how about this, what we signed up for. And here's the other part of that. It is better to, to figure this out before we get married than realize we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what we signed up for when we got married, but now here we are, all right? So definition of terms, okay, here it goes, ready? First, both love and respect are, what's the word? Yeah, that was so reluctant. Come on. All right, so say a little bit better than that, okay? Both love and, and respect are commands to be obeyed, not emotions to be responded to. You got to let that sink in. They're commands to be obeyed, not emotions to be responded to. Now, love and respect very well might often lead to an emotional response. I hope so. That, that's great, all right? But they are not and they cannot be emotions that determine whether or not or if you're going to love or respect another person. By the way, you won't hear that anywhere else in the world except from God. If you go to the movies this afternoon, all right, it's not going to be in the movie, I promise, all right? If, if, you, if, if you go home and watch TV this afternoon, all right, it's just not going to be on TV. If you get together with all your college buddies, your high school friends or something like that and go, hey, what do you all think? They're not going to vote for that. Right, just God. This is love and this is respect. And if you hear anything different, it's not from God and it's not true. They're commands to be obeyed, not emotions to be responded to. Second goes like this, love is the decision. It's a decision to provide and protect. There comes a point in your life where you, you have to grow up and say, you know, I need to make a decision, all right? I have decided and I promise that from now on, from now on, I will do everything within my power. I can't do everything in the world, but I can do everything within my power and my ability to provide all that she needs so she can take hold of and experience all that God has in mind for her and she can become the woman that God created her to be. And I'm not gonna stop there. I will do everything within my power and ability to protect her from anyone or anything that might try to take that away from her, including protecting her from or in spite of my own selfish wants and desires because I know I can hurt her bad, Right? So men, we're going to work on ourselves. That's why we're here running after Jesus. I want, I want to work on myself. Why? So I can love her better than I have in the past. And let me just make something really, really clear, man. You don't have to choose to love and protect anybody. You don't, you don't have to do this. You don't have to get married, right? You're free to do anything you want. But if you decide that you're going to make her your wife, this is the responsibility that you are promising to take on. It goes like this. Sovereign God has entrusted me with my wife and I will take responsibility to do everything within my power and ability to provide for and protect her. I will. That is our job. That's our job description. And the example that Paul gives is this. Husbands, love your wife like you take care of your own physical body. And here's why he makes that comparison. Because you are one body. You're one unit. You've been unified by God. And then he raises the bar even higher, right? And husbands, love your wife like, like Jesus loves you, loves the church. Up to and including, like Jesus did, he sacrificially let go of his own comfort, his own priorities, his own position in life so that we, in spite of all of our mistakes and imperfections along the way, all our promises to him that we, did, that, we, that we didn't keep, he still kept his promise to love us so that we can have what we need in order to experience true life. If you marry her, you promise to love her like that. That's no pressure. Just be like Jesus. Great, all right, right? That, that's what it says. But if you aren't ready to run after that and make that your goal and prior, prioritize her like that, write this down, right? Then don't marry her. You don't have, don't, right? But if you're already married to her, this is what God is, here's the word, ready? Commanding you to do or to start doing from this point on if you haven't. If she is your wife, love her like that or start loving her like that. That's, that's true. Now, Guys, take a breath. Ladies, you thought you were off the hook? Oh, you're not, all right? 
Ladies, respect is the decision to join yourself to and follow this man because you trust that his intentions for you are good. That's what it means. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't have to do this. It's a choice. I'm going to join myself to I'm going to follow this man. I believe he's going to lead me in a good direction. Now, la- listen, ladies, you don't have to trust anybody. You don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to get married at all, all right? And you certainly don't have to get married to a man in order to be a whole person. But if you decide to marry a man, you better respect him and trust him because if you join yourself to a man that you can't trust, you're not gonna follow him anywhere. Or worse yet, you will follow him, but he will lead you down a bad road and he'll destroy your life and the life of your children. Won't he? Didn't he? Right? So don't get married unless you can say this. Sovereign God has entrusted me with this husband. I will respect him and follow him, trusting that his intentions for me are true and good. And if you can't say that and believe it then, then don't marry him. Don't marry him because the stakes in this part of our life are too high to put your trust in the wrong man. If if you're dating him, you know, I I can't trust him. I can't trust, I know I can't. We've We've been together like six months. I know I can't trust him. How about this? Then stop dating him. Break up by lunch, all right? Run the other way. Make the wise call. And some of you are sitting there going, she's gonna dump me right after church. I hope so, all right? Do the right thing because you know, you know you're sitting here right now and you're going, in my heart, I know I'll never be able to trust him. Run. Here's a wise saying. It's not in the Bible, but it ought to be. It goes like this, all right? It is better to be single and wish that you were married to the right man than be married to the wrong man and wish you were single. Amen? That's just just, just true, all right? And the best metaphor that I've ever heard about marriage, this kind of graphic, but... Welcome to Flatirons. It goes like this. Marriage is like putting a loaded gun in the hand of another person, putting it to your own forehead and trusting that they're not going to pull the trigger. Right? They have that much ability to blow up your life. But you believe, you trust that they will provide and protect you, not destroy you. And some of us are going, well, that's a, a little extreme. Really? Really? Again, ladies, look back at some of the disasters that you used to call a marriage or a relationship, or a dating boyfriend, whatever that is, and you knew, okay? We're not, we're not bringing up the past to rehash the past. How did we get here? How did we get here, right? You knew, you knew, I can't trust him, but you were hoping that maybe something or someone would change him. And by the way, he promised like a thousand times. That was the last time. And from now on, I, I promise, I, I'm, I'll be different from now on. And so you kept dating him, or you married him, and he didn't change, at least for the better, and you got blasted. You got blown away. But again, be honest, look back. You never trusted him. There was a voice in, in, in your heart and in your mind that and be, and you knew it, but you kept on dating him. Then you married him and you found out, I was right because he proved what you already knew was true. But now you have the scars to prove it. This isn't totally one-sided, all right? Husbands, you certainly have to respect your wife. This is a two-way street, all right? And wives certainly need to love their husbands, absolutely. But according to God and according to the reality that, that many of us have lived through, like barely, marriage will not work if the husband does not, by definition, love his wife. And the marriage will not work if the wife does not, by that definition, respect and trust her husband. You might get everything else right. Everything is great, but we miss that. Without provide and protect love and without I trust you respect, none of it's gonna matter. It's a house without a solid foundation. Jesus said, it's like trying to build your house, your home on, on sand and a big storm, not might, will come and will blow your house apart. It's a matter of time. Some of you are going, that's a perfect metaphor for the last 10 years of my life. Right? So, so let's look at, a, at an example of what that looks like. What happens when either one of us Husband or wife, all right, let go of or abdicate the responsibility that sovereign God has said, take good care of this for me. Where it goes and what's at stake. Go back to the book of Genesis. This time we're gonna be in chapter three, all right? It's a very, very famous story. But now in light of everything that we're going through, I think a lot of us are gonna be able to see ourselves 
in this story. All right? Genesis chapter 3. Here we go. It says this. Now, now the serpent was more crafty. So we're talking about Satan here. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree, any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the the fruit of that tree, the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Translate it, uh uh-uh. That's how it translates, all right? You will not, you won't die. And here's why. For God, here's the inside scoop. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him. You'll be like God. And you'll, you'll know what's good and evil. You can make up your own mind. Verse six, so when the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. And naked here is a metaphor for we are busted. We were like exposed, we're like out there, we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, we're, we're, we're insecure. It's like a, that oh crap moment of, of their life. Now, time out before we go on. I wanna jump back to verse six. Go back one verse, all right, for something that I have missed most of my life. I don't know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of times I've read or, or known about this story, but something I've always missed. As a matter of fact, Scott was in Uganda a couple weeks ago doing a pastor, or a men's conference over there, and, and he used what I'm about to teach you. He taught it to them, and the pastors look back and went, that's not in the Bible. They, 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 a lot of them can't read, so they just go what somebody had told them is in there, whether it's not or, or is, is or not. And, but no, and Scott pointed to this. Look back at verse 6, because this is going to clear it up for a lot of us, all right? It goes like this. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was, what's the next two words? Right there with her. And he ate. So quiz time, kids. Here we go, all right? Where was Adam during this whole conversation between the serpent and his wife? Where was Adam? Right there with her. Right there with her. I thought he was like fishing. He came back and gave apple pies a trick. All right, so it's, no, that's not true. That's not, right there with her. And what was the, what was the primary responsibility that God had given to Adam when it came to his wife? That's it, to provide for her by leading her back towards life and to protect her from anything that would lead her towards death. And you have to catch this. You have to let this sink in because this entire story becomes a very different story and the Bible becomes a very different Bible if Adam had simply stepped into his God-entrusted role as provider and protector, if he would have put himself between his wife and what was trying to destroy her and simply said this, this conversation is over. It's over, it's not gonna happen. You're trying to destroy my wife and my marriage and my family. You talk to me because you have to go, go through me to get through her, right? See, we're talking parabellum. If you want peace, if you want things to be the way they're supposed to be, prepare for war. Because I am not going to hand my wife or my children over to the enemy. I will fight. There's things worth fighting for. There's stuff worth going to jail for, all right? And I will fight for my marriage. I will fight for my wife. And instead, here's the question. What does Adam do instead? What does he do? Nothing. 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 I just, I just, I didn't know. I just, right? Uh, nothing. But whoa, whoa, hold on, ladies. Little sweet Eve's not entirely blameless in this either, right? So guys, take a breath. See, the only, the only command that had come from God to, at this point was, you can eat from any, all the trees in the garden except that one. That one. Here's why I don't want you to eat from that. Because it will hurt you and it will kill you. It will destroy your life. Now, how'd that conversation go that Eve was having with a serpent? Right? How about this? She decided that in spite of what God said was true, she decided the fruit of that one tree actually was good for food, which means God didn't tell me the truth. God didn't tell me the truth. Or or God was wrong. He doesn't know what works for me, what's good for me or not. 
The second part of that conversation is this. She saw something with her eyes that she said, you cannot have that. And she felt like she was missing out on something and she wanted it. So in spite of what God said was true, she says, I'll decide for myself what's wise and unwise for me, what's best and true for me. Nobody else is gonna tell me that. In other words, she didn't respect God or trust that God's intentions were, for her were good. And she didn't respect or trust that her husband could or would provide what she had decided she really desired and needed to be fulfilled and satisfied. So she stepped outside of God and her husband and she had a conversation with an outside voice to see if this other voice, this other person could supply her with what she didn't think she could trust to get from God or her husband. I have no faith in him. I have no faith in God. I'm gonna talk to somebody else. And who knows, who knows? And I'm making this part up here, so you don't have to believe this. But, but what if, maybe she looked over at Adam and went, what, do you think I should or do you think that we should do this? But even if she had done that, he wasn't any help. He was either you know, afraid to step up and lead her back towards life or, or he was paying attention to something else that he thought was more important than her at that time. But whatever he was doing, he wasn't doing the most important thing that God had told him and entrusted him to do. Provide for and protect your wife. So she was out there on her own looking for someone or something else, not believing or trusting that God or her husband were enough. And it all falls apart. He, she, they, it all falls apart. It all changed. Everything changed. From that point on, everything was different. And in that moment, they, they both realized that they were naked and they were exposed and they had that, oh crap, what have we done moment? Things are never gonna be the, the same. What are we gonna do now? I wish I could do it different, but I can't. What do I do now? And that's where we're gonna pick up the story next week, all right? So you have to come back. But I'm gonna stop there because I had this all as one message. We're gonna get through all of this today, but it's just too important. It's too important to just you know, rush through it because we have to get to the next thing. So we're gonna stop right there. We're not even close to being done. Don't get your hopes up on that, all right? But let's just stop and look at these five things that we promise to look at every week. What's the truth? What's our need to confess? What's repentance mean? What's grace and what needs to change? So let's look at this, all right? Go, it starts with this. Sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. That's just truth, right? Sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. So let's apply this truth to the kingdom that God has entrusted to you, every one of you. Some form, all right? Let's talk to husband. Husband, it is your responsibility to sacrificially, it's gonna cost you something, to sacrificially love your wife for her provision and her protection. That's our job. Wife, it is your sacrificial responsibility, so it's gonna cost you something, to respect your husband and trust that his intentions for you are good. Now that's truth, all right? But here's another truth, all right? Half the room in married. Isn't married yet because you're like 12 and that's good good all right all right or, or you're not married yet or you're not married anymore so I'm also gonna be talking to future husbands and wives middle school to nursing school so so file this away all right and to start preparing for it because what God says applies to you and you go well I'm too I'm too old I'm, I'm past all this stuff it's good for my grandkids I'm like eh, not true I met a lady out in the lobby last week she's 101 she, she told me that I was nailing it Thank you, all right? She, she came and she, and her second marriage, her husband just died, but her second marriage lasted 32 years. And she said, he was 10 years younger than me when I married him. I was like, cradle robber, you know, but anyway, I didn't say that. <laughs> but she just said, I love it. You, you're absolutely true. Keep on doing this, all right? So I don't care where you are in life, whatever comes next that we're gonna look at applies to anyone who is married or might be married in the future. So file this away. Here we go. Confession. Confession, all right? Husbands, I'm just talking to husbands here. Is there anything going on in your current choices and decisions that is actually standing in the way of providing what your wife needs in order to do and be who God created her to be? You can't provide everything, but you can provide something. Are you providing what she needs so that she can be all 
that God created her to be. And the flip side of that is, is there anything that you are currently doing that actually, if you keep doing this, puts your wife and your family at risk because rather than protecting them from harm because you're doing something else? What, what, what is going on in your life that does not line up with what, what, that, that truth that loving your wife means provide and protect her? What are you not providing for her? And where and how are you not protecting her? Because actually what you're doing is currently hurting her. She doesn't even know about it yet. It's about to blow up her life. Anything? Hold on to that. Single men, 12 to 112, all right? If you, are, if you are pursuing a girl or a woman in your life and as you are doing that, what are you doing to or with her or asking of her or offering to her or demanding from her? And you know, by definition, that's not love. That's not love. And by that, I mean, it's not providing for her or helping her be the woman God created her to be. It actually runs the risk of hurting her, not protecting her. I'm not saying this afternoon, but play it out. What are you asking her to risk or demanding that she risk? The truth is you're providing something for yourself, but you're not protecting her. And I'm gonna be really, really honest, all right? We're gonna move this over closer and closer to the edge and I'm just gonna throw it over the cliff here in a minute, all right? But I'm not saying that she's an angel or a princess, all right? Your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, all right? Let, let's be honest, all right? Not all men are dogs and not all women are princesses, right? I, I know some men that are princes and I know some women who are... Not nice women, all right? And again, again, I'm not throwing that out there. I'll be, I won't make it in my car, all right? So again, but let's be honest, all right? She might, she might very possibly be the initiator asking for and demanding things from you for herself. But you know, we're not even talking about her. That's between her and God. But you know that does not line up with what I know God's truth is for my life or hers. The question is for you, is it goes like this. Is the way that you're treating her or what you're doing to or with this woman who is not your wife, does it line up with what God says is true? Yes or no? Wives, men take a break here. Wives, all right? putting all the reasons and excuses and finger pointing at your husband and what he or has been doing wrong in the past or even right now, is there anything going on in your life that could be described as, I'm having a conversation with someone outside of God and or my husband because I'm looking for something or someone else and I don't have any trust or confidence that God or my husband are able or willing to supply it to me. I don't respect my husband, so I'm looking to and I'm talking to somebody else to find what I feel like I want and need and I deserve to have in my life and I can't get it from him. Talking to somebody else? Single women, 12 to 112, all right? E and I have this conversation every week out in our lobby. Even if you were to agree that God's plan is probably best, and in a perfect world, if there were any men like this, if you could find any good spiritual masculine imaging men, that's what you'd go for. I'd date him tomorrow, right? I, I, I would marry him in a week, I promise, if I could find one good man. But you've looked... Over and over, right? You've looked around and you decided all the good men are either all taken or they don't exist. Even in the church, even as men that call themselves Christians, whatever, all right? Because of that, because the pickings are so slim, have you lowered your standards and settled for a boy or a man that you know, I, I don't trust him. It's just better than being alone. Or as in our story today, are you climbing the wrong tree and hoping God is wrong about whatever you find in that tree really will hurt you or destroy you? I hope God's not right on that one. Let's go to the third thing, Repentance. Truth, confession, repentance. Husband, wives, men, women, boys, girls, right? What, what needs to change? What needs to turn in a better direction? 
Do you want something better than you currently have? I'm not talking in theory. I'm talking really, right? Do you want something better than what you currently have? Enough to let go of anything that God says is not true in this area of your life and turn back to him and trust him to take you or bring you something that really is true. Something that he promises will take you to a better life and with that better love, better sexuality and and a better marriage. Do you want what God says is true for your life so much that you're willing to let go of anything going on in your life that you know that's just not true? It's not right. Even before, are you ready to let go of it? Even before God shows you what he's gonna do next or bring something to you next, are you still willing to let go of untruth? Do you trust God enough? to let go of untruth and trust God with whatever, anything that comes next. I don't know. All right, let's ask for grace. Let's ask for grace on two different levels. Grace as in some of us are sitting here right now going, oh my gosh, I'm wrong. And I'm cut to the heart. And God, I'm so sorry for not trusting you and not following you. And I have wronged this person. I've wronged my family. I've wronged my wife, my girlfriend, my, 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 my husband, my boy, whatever that is. I, I, I've, run, I, I've run my life without you, God. I told you I didn't need you. So God, in this moment, will you please forgive my, here it is, my sin. This is what you wanted. And I did something very, very different. Will you forgive my sin against you and against these other people in my life? And the answer will be Yes. Yes, but let's don't stop praying there. It's like, amen, then we go on with our day. Let's keep on with that grace thing, all right? And now, God, give me the grace and the strength to do whatever comes next from repenting and changing my mind about what's going on in my life, in my marriage, with my body, with my mind, with another person's mind and body, all right? Give me the strength, give me the grace to do what needs to be done to line my life up with what you say is true. And that leads to this last one. Where does that go? What needs to change? What needs to be different starting today? You're gonna get up out of this room in about 10 minutes. You're gonna go out and get in your car and you're gonna drive away. From now on, I am going to live better, different, different with God's grace and, and help and strength, all right? I'm gonna live different. From now on, I'm gonna true up my life with what God says is true about her, about him, and about myself. Sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom and I'm gonna get up out of this room and do what needs to be done to take responsibility for what God, sovereign God has entrusted. What is that for you? And here's the thing, you don't even have to pray about it. It's a yes or no answer. Are you willing to do it? What needs to change? Listen, next week, we're going to pick up Adam and Eve's story and what they do next after they kind of blow up everything and how it's a perfect picture of what what we normally do when when one or both of us make a big mistake and why some of us keep making the same mistake over and over and over. And maybe there's a better way to work through our mistakes than what we normally do. But here's how I kind of want to wrap this up. On that last, what I need to do different in my life, most of us really jump to what am I doing that's so wrong that I need to stop doing? There's something bad, there's something sinful and I need to get it out of my life. And that is true. There's some of us, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If we're addicted to something and it's destroying our lives, we need to, we need to do something about that. Get it out of our life. Go to the meetings. You know, go to shift this Friday night. Whatever that is, seek some help. You know, how about this? Take all your porn and go throw it in a dumpster. Break up with you know who. Stop sleeping with that person that you're not married to because you and he or she or whatever are spiritual God creating images. And if you're not married to them, what you're doing is sinning against God and against them. So yeah, you need to stop. You need to break up at least for a while until you get your act together and get your mind together. You figure all this out. So there's a lot of stuff that a lot of us need to stop doing. But some of us, let's be honest, there's some things we need to start doing better, right? And that's tied into stop, like, like this. A lot of us, we know it, we just need to stop playing house. Stop saying and pretending that you love him or her when you don't. You really don't. You love stuff about them. You love being with them. You love what they do for you and to you. But by definition, you don't love her. You don't, you don't trust him. So I say, then, then do something. 
Do something one way or the other, as in my grandpa used to say, you poop or get off the pot, fish or cut bait. Either one's fine. Just do something more than just sit there and pretend like everything is okay. Well, what, what do I mean? I mean this, you say you love her? Yeah, a hundred times, all right? Yeah, you say you love her? You say you trust him? Yeah, all, all the time. Great, if that's true, God says, then marry, get married. Get married. Some of you are going, oh crap, we should have left at the song, right, all right? See, someone needs to say, all right, it's going to get really, really tense in here, okay, all right? So anybody start clapping because half the room has stopped breathing right now. We need paramedics here in a minute, all right? But somebody needs to say, and I'd say it's the strongest person in the relationship, needs to say this, enough, time out. The drive through window on me is closed. Either come inside and sit down and stay or drive on or tell me to drive on, but this stop by pit stop booty call thing is now over. Why? Because sovereign God has entrusted me with this one body. It's all I have and this one life and with this one family. And I'm not going to put myself or those I love at risk any longer to your empty promises and your sweet talk because one of us is lonely or horny. So let's just be honest. Either marry me or move on. Just stop using me. And here come all the excuses. No, no. Here come all the excuses, all right? Here, here's what you're going. Well, we're going to. We will, we will, we will. I promise, all right, we will talk later. Okay, all right, we will. Someday, someday, when we get, you know, get the time, we, we can't find any time right now. As soon as we save up some more money, I'm saving up for a ring right now. Well, I'm saving up for a dress, all right? Or as soon as my job changes, or I get done with my master's, or whatever that is, or how about this? I got hurt by a, an earlier marriage, and I'm scared to make that same mistake. And by the way, Pastor Jim, I get this all the time, all the way, all right? We feel married in our hearts. And I call bull scubalon on that one, all right? Because I promise, I promise, all right, as soon as one of you don't feel married anymore, you're going to hit the front door and you're going to throw the card on the table as you walk out the door. Well, technically, we never really were married because really all that I was looking for and all that I want is this. I want all the perks of marriage, but none of the responsibility of marriage. So let's pretend like we're kind of married and let's act like we're going to stay together forever or at least until we don't want to anymore. And then we'll tell ourselves this way, it'll be easier to just walk away from one another when times get tough and one of us wants to bail out. So until then, how about this? I'll say that I love you and I'll pretend like I respect you. I just won't actually commit to it because that would mean that you can count on me, trust me to actually be here tomorrow when you get home for better or worse, good times and hard times. And I'm not willing to make that kind of promise because I don't love you and trust you that much. Now be honest, you know by now if you love her or if you can love her and by now you know if you can trust him. And if so, get married. And if not, move on. Move on. Let me just talk to the men here real quick, all right? Because we, 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 men, we, we're going to take the lead on this, all right? It's, it's our responsibility. But let me just talk to some of the men in here, all right? She thinks when you say this, she thinks that you actually love her. She believes it. She really believes it, all right? And, and, and if she has kids... Some of them, not all of them, some of them actually believe that you're gonna, this one's gonna stick around, all right? And then things are gonna, they're, they're starting to think of you. They won't say this out loud yet because it's too risky. But they lay in bed and go, maybe he could be my dad. And that's either gonna turn into a, a dream come true or a nightmare. So if that's not what you have planned, stop holding her and them hostage to your lack of character and biblical masculinity. Have the balls to just break it up. That's called integrity and that's called truth. And speaking of truth and integrity, let's be honest because there is a female version of the same thing going on in this room. So ladies, you know, if you continue to hold back from him, promising someday I'll marry him, I'm just not ready. But you know, you're never going to marry this guy. It's just better than being alone. So you hold on to him for security in case you can't or you, until you find somebody better. And if that's not true, ladies, you are not living your life in truth and integrity. So stop using him and either marry him or cut him loose so he can find somebody who will respect him better than you do. Either one, breaking up or marrying him is better than using him because he's better than nothing and I'm afraid to be by myself. 
We've got, when we come this far, let's just push this over the cliff, all right? Just had a few people leave, so let's just really go for this, all right? Some of us, all right, let's just be honest, all right? We're not even looking for love and respect. That's not even on our agenda. You know, we're not interested at all. We just want to get laid. That's all we really want. We, we say and we do whatever it takes to get what we want from her or from him, which is, I just want to have sex with her. I just want to stop by, casual sex, drive-by sex. That's it. That's all I'm looking for. That's it. Well, guess what? It is impossible. Isn't it? Because God meant it to be impossible. I was talking to a therapist this week. Some of you are like, it's about time, man. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't talking to my therapist. I was talking to another therapist. Downtown, in downtown Denver, all right? And he's telling me this stuff. And I'm like, will you stop saying that? I can hear other booths can hear us, all right? But he specializes in sexual addiction. And he's explaining to me the way the body is wired up on a PhD, like doctoral level, all right? On the cellular chemical level. And here's how he explained it. And it's a bit graphic. So kids run for the door, all right? But this is how it works. This is how he explained it to me. He said this, having sex with another person outside of the spiritual safe container of marital intimacy, that's not making love. It's, here's his term, it's vaginal masturbation. I'm just using another person's body part to get off on, which is bad enough, except get this, your body and your brain, they don't care. They don't care. And whoever or whatever, all right, you have sex with causes a chemical connection, a chemical dump and reaction in your brain at the cellular chemical level, bonding and connecting your thoughts and your future sexual needs and wants to that person and to that experience. Nobody, physically or emotionally, and I'll just throw this card on the table, spiritually can simply walk away and go, that didn't matter. That's not going to affect me. God doesn't even allow that to be a possibility. There is no wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I'm moving on. No, you're, you're bringing him with you or you're bringing her with you. They're part of who you are. And the only way to break that bond or that chain is by the powerful grace of Jesus Christ in your life to heal up that part and a, taking a total time out from him or her, a total break to reset your sexual and emotional wiring. That's the doctor's orders, not mine. So that just means this, even if you don't believe in God, here's what it says. 2,000 years before modern science even discovered this thing called brain chemistry, Paul writes in the Bible, do you not know, you knew this before you ever cracked a Bible, before you went to med school or I, do you not, you know that sex unites, glues, bonds people together for better or worse for a long time. In other words, science has finally caught up with what God said was true in the beginning. So men and women, it is time. Here's your options. It's time to grow up, true it up, break it up or hitch it up and get married. Right? One, do, do something. All right? Now, I'm going to take away one more excuse and make it even easier for you to true up your relationship with what God says is true and better, all right? Some of you are going, oh, we should have left. We should have left, all right, right? But chips on the table, I call, all right? It's time to show your cards. Ready? A couple weeks. Three days of free marriage ceremonies here at Flatirons. Here, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, up at West on Monday, November 24th, 25th, 26th, the, the, the days leading up to Thanksgiving. It's a one-time deal. Free weddings, all right? Don't ask, well, can you do that in June? No, it's gonna cost you a lot of money in June, all right? So there's that, all right? But we're gonna call this my one wedding. I'm finally, I'm gonna have my one wedding, the one I've been waiting on. As in this, sovereign God has entrusted me with part of his kingdom. So knowing that, I'm gonna bring my relationship with this person, him or her, I'm gonna bring it out of the junk drawer of sin because that's what it is. I'm gonna bring it under the definition that God has instituted and I'm gonna be united by God in the holy sacrament of marriage and the two will become one flesh. And what God will join together, we're not gonna separate ever. It's called the covenant of marriage. Three days of wedding for anybody who knows, you know, it's time. It's time, I love her. I trust him, so let's do this. We'll have pastors here at the church all day long and all, for all, all afternoon, all evening long. We'll have three chapels set up and one up at West. We'll have flowers here for you. We'll have a photographer in place for you. How do I do that? Get online starting at two o'clock this afternoon, all right? First come, first serve. Register for one of those time slots. 
Show up that day with a legal marriage license. You got to go to the clerk's office and do this, all right? And bring whoever or leave whoever you want at home, all right? And, and wear whatever you want to wear. And rings are optional. And ask her to marry you and book your date and perform, we'll perform your wedding for you on the spot for free. You say, well, I want a big wedding. Then marry her now and then go to Hawaii next year. All right, so I get this all the time. You know, well, we moved in together to save rent and stuff like that. So you, you're saving up for a ring. You're saving up for a, a rent. You're saving up for a down payment. You're saving up for this. The only thing you're not saving up is her or him. You're worth more than that. You're worth more than that. Sovereign God has entrusted you with something so special and don't sell out. You're worth more than that, right? It's time to take responsibility for what he has given you and love and respect him or her. It's time, married or single, better than we have been in the past. Now I am done. Next week, we're gonna look at this. But what happens if I've blown it up or she's blown it up or we've blown it up or somebody else's life? What do we do now? Because we've all blown up parts of this. And that's what we're gonna look at now, next week, if you come back. Now, I'm gonna pray. Then we're gonna sing a song and then go watch the 0 and 8 Raiders die. All right, so, all right. Just <laughs> so stand up and then I'll pray, all right. God, I love you so much. Here's a very, very short prayer, but I'm going to get right to the point. Lord, what you're telling and commanding us as men and women to do from this point on is going to be really, 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 really hard and scary. So we need grace and we need strength. Please help us. In Jesus' name, amen.